All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that once again, you would open our eyes. Lord, help us to discern what Scripture is teaching us, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. By the way, the ministry that I'm involved in, Morale Boosters, is big time with Border Patrol. Those people go through a lot, a whole lot. Thank you, Jerry Lynn. In 1993, when I started flying to Washington, D.C. for American Association of Christian Schools, the first thing I wanted to do after I did what we were there to do, we lobbied on education issues, family issues, and so forth, religious issues, I wanted to see especially two monuments. One was the wall. The second was the tomb. The Vietnam Wall and the tomb of the unknown. And after eight and a half years, there were times I went to those and I still cried. There's just something, something about them. There's something about a memorial, especially for an American in America. When we see a man, when we see a situation that reminds us of our national heritage. The sad thing is my, my heart is grieved when I see what's happening to memorials because there are those, some even in high places, that are doing everything they can to erase what we have in the past. And folks, if you would take the time to break out just a simple history book from a long time ago, and you would read these things, we would recognize what God has done in America. But that's for my 4th of July uh, message. But there's another place and this is what concerns me here and now. There's another place where there is a memorial. And in preparing, coming to this message, I have grown more concerned because I believe it is a major part, not the major part, but a good part, I would say, of why we're seeing what we're seeing in our land. That memorial is what is typically known as the Lord's Supper. Usually, on Resurrection Sunday, we have the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper. I didn't do it this time because th there was much that I wanted to do to lay a groundwork. That's why we went to Galatians 6 this last Sunday, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. So we looked to the glory of the cross of Christ, and specifically what the Apostle Paul said. 
and in reflecting just on people, you know, nowadays, when it comes to what they consider important in biblical Christianity, whatever, came to this conclusion. If a Christian believes the greater focus of life is meant for pleasure and fun, it'll show when it comes to gathering as God's people, when it comes to the personal walk, it will show. If a believer sees life as a gift of God to be used as the Lord sees fit, not as how we see fit, again, it will show. We would normally, like I said, have celebrated last Sunday. And in fact, we're not going to celebrate this morning. We're going to celebrate tonight because there is still a little more that we need to gather around. I don't know about you, but the more I hear of the news lately, the more I recognize America is running out of a lot of things. Yes, America is running out of money. Do you realize our nation spends $6 billion more a day than they take in? How'd you like to do that? They're doing it. But we're running out of a whole lot more than money. We're running out of civility. We're running out of law and order. Did you see what took place in Chicago last night, hundreds of young people running through there, smashing cars, smashing windows. What is going on? The ground we laid. There was the situation in Alabama where there's a shooting, at least four dead now, 20 injured. I mean, in a town of 3,000. Louisville saw some more killed. And of course, the politicians, some, will say, well, it's the gun's fault. Folks, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're running out of biblical morality. We're running out. We're running out of Bible preaching. And by the way, we're running out of God's patience. Bottom line, we're running out of time. Recently, a report surfaced. I want to give you just some context, again, what's, what's going on. The Pew Research Center telephone survey and this was back in 2018 and 2019, 65% of American adults described themselves as Christians when asked about their religion. Now, again, just, somebody, just because somebody claims to be a Christian doesn't mean they truly are from the biblical perspective. But that number, 65%, has gone down 12% in the last decade. Meanwhile, those that are unaffiliated 
They consist of people who define themselves as atheist or agnostic or nothing in particular. That now stands in America at 26%. That has gone up nine percentage points from 17% just since 2009. Currently, 43% of adults identify with Protestantism, non-Catholic, etc. Down 51% in 2009. But did you know that at the founding of our nation, people who identified as Protestant was at 98%. Something has happened. Research by the Survey Center on American Life and the University of Chicago found that in spring of 2022, 67% of Americans reported attending church at least once during the year. That was down from 75% just before the pandemic. Folks, this is more than COVID. Something has been going on. I'd been praying over this, and of course, we came across Resurrection Sunday. And I began to wonder, you know, maybe there is a cause that we're not thinking of. Because the fact is, there are thousands of churches that wind up having a celebration, a memorial about something that has lost its meaning to one degree or another. We, we come to this, in, in our church, we do this four times a year. The church that I grew up in, we did it every month. We did it every month for a while here, and I thought, wait a minute. There, there, there's something, it's, it's robbing it somewhat of it being special, but really just a mindset. And we're all susceptible to this, a mindset of of seeing this not as we ought. I want to show you. Would you please, first of all, go to Luke 22? Luke chapter 22. Now, let's take our minds, and by God's grace, let's let's kind of focus here. Let's listen to what the Lord says. There is something that we need to glean here. Look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Christ speaking, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you, before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves, among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God is shall come. And he took 
the bread and gave, gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Now would you please go to 1 Corinthians 11, the place where we always go when we are celebrating the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11. And we'll go to verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, the bread, and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me, after the same manner also. He took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, let's try to picture this a little bit. He has been speaking of this. He has been giving hints. He has been sharing. And the disciples have been scared, confused. There's something going on. And then they sit at this meal. And I want you to stop and think about this. Christ takes the cup and he says, this is my blood. What would your response be? This is in remembrance of me. But then he does this. He takes the bread and he does this. Take eat. This is my body. Look what he did. He broke it. He tore it apart. And he said, now this is what you do in remembrance of me. This is not a simple meal. This is not a gathering of light talk. This is serious. I don't know what would be going through the minds of the disciples at this time, but you stop and you consider. He has taken simple objects that they're used to, and he has shown them 
that now there is a gathering time that you will have and you will take these things and you will remember the price of sin for the Son of God. Are we listening? And see, I fear this is what takes place. We, we, we wind up doing this. Look, how many of you realize that we're in a spiritual warfare? How many of you, you look in time past and you realize, you know something, my soul, the devil's been after me. Amen? It's amazing what he can do ever so subtly with our minds, our emotions, and we wind up being blinded to something. The wages of sin is what? What is it that Christ has saved us from? What did it cost him? How do we remember that cost? And by the way, when we fall into sin, how do we respond when we are reminded by the Holy Spirit that what we are doing is sin? You know why we celebrate this supper? In the Bible, we're told that when it comes to the Lord's table, first of all, it's an examination. In verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, but let a man examine himself. Everybody, every one of us needs to take the time to examine ourselves in light of the Scripture. This is, if we're going to make it as individual believers, if we're going to come together, you know, corporately, Encourage one another, pray for one another. By the way, we have the new prayer sheets. I encourage you to take them. Pray for one another. Do you like it when you know that people are praying for you? Absolutely. Paul goes on and tells the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. I got to know. We're going to hear something tonight that honestly, I never really stopped to think about as I would go through the time when Christ was crucified. I'm not going to preach that now. I'm going to save it for tonight. But to me, it was kind of stunning. But you stop and you consider. Time and again, we wind up getting yeah, apathetic. We wind up getting used to, let me say that, over some things that all of a sudden we wind up having as routine. We never really stop to consider. Think of what this is identifying. The supper that we have, it's a proclamation. Verse 26 in chapter 11 for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. You see, there's a, couple of, there's a couple of things here that we need to understand. 
what we do when we gather and we participate, it's a memorial and a picture. Now, I look at what's happening in America, and when I see a memorial defaced or I see a picture degraded, I get angry. But the fact is, we have something that is far more important because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the picture of what he has done. Amen? I, I, you know, when God's people, when we gather and we recognize this, to me, Lord, help us. The feast is to have a continuation as often as you eat it. There's an anticipation. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Tonight we'll have the Lord's table again. You know the next time we have it, it could be with him in heaven. Boy, that's exciting. I'm, I'm telling you what. Some of us know the story of Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate. How many of you grew up with Patch the Pirate? I remember when we were going to Bible college with him. Ron Hamilton is a great guy, great guy. They have gathered the family around now. They're waiting. He is, his death is imminent. His next time will be with Jesus. That's awesome to think about. It's done, we're told, in remembrance of me. When we take this, we don't just look and go, well, this is one of our habits. Jesus said, this is my blood. This represents what goes through my veins right now and will be shed for you. This is my body. I broke it off, but very soon, my body will be broken. It will be ripped. It will be nailed. It will be thrashed for you. Consider that. Christ himself pointed to this and said, there's a particular time you gather together. This is what it represents. Now, there can be a time where this is just part of somebody's meal and this may be what they drink because it's just a regular meal. But when you gather together for something specific like this, it takes it to a whole new level. Now, according to Scripture, this is the people who celebrate this. They're born again, 1 Corinthians 10. They're baptized, Acts chapter 2. The individual also must be in fellowship with the Lord. You're in 1 Corinthians 11. Go, if you would, please, to verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily 
shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let again, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And there's where we wind up sometimes suffering. Listen, I don't want anybody, when we gather tonight, I don't want anybody there and, and their mind, you know, is, is off in, um, well, I don't, satellite traffic, you know? No, it's not that. I'm realizing this is what this is all about. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They died because they took it lightly. And so we're given this, this truth. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So this is what happens. The church gathers and we say, we need to examine ourselves. We need to stop and think. Now, we're also told this, we need to remember, it's not a social event. Its purpose, again, is to discern the Lord's body. It's to remember the Lord. But there are lines that are drawn. And this is how we encourage each other. Look, we, we need to be careful. You're in 1 Corinthians. Go back to chapter 5, if you would, please. Chapter 5. Paul, writing to the church there, he says in verse 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. Hey, there's a situation where, you know, if we're not careful, we can get infested with sin if we wind up just kind of laughing off if people get involved in sin, and they shouldn't. Not to keep company, not to mix with if any man that is called a brother, now watch this, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railard or a drunkard or an extortioner with such and one know not to eat. Now, the, the terms that are used here, these Greek terms are substantives. They mean they indicate a pattern of behavior. A Christian will lapse into sin and loathe it. A sinner leaps into sin and loves it. If a Christian is not careful, their idea, their, their, their conviction about what put Christ on the cross will start to soften. So when it comes to fornication, which just generally means immorality, and by the way, let's remember Again, in chapter 6 of, verse, of 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to them and said, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, the blood of Christ has cleansed you, but ye are sanctified. You've been set apart. You're not part of that anymore. So there are sins that we just go nay to. Uh-uh. Why? 
I'm reading the book of, I, I'm just about a little over halfway through Deuteronomy right now. You read Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Leviticus and Numbers, and I mean, when it came to sin, God was serious with the children of Israel. Why? He didn't want those things coming in. Did they come in? Yes. Has that happened to the church? Yes. Does that excuse it? No. No. Have you gotten fed, fed up with television? Have we looked at the world and finally said, my soul, this, look at what sin, look at the depths sin and he who pushes it will go to when it comes to things that are destroying us. I never thought I'd see a day when people would say, you know what, drag queens are a good idea. And, oh, by the way, every child that is born, as one put it, is transgender. God made them what? My, what a novel idea. Right out of the womb. But instead, Satan is having a heyday. So listen, the question comes up. How much do we allow this to infiltrate the body of Christ? Answer, none of it. Now, listen. We all struggle. We all wind up seeing something, and it's like, or, or thinking, or going someplace, or, or just, you know, there's a time when it's like, oh my, why did I do that? Lord, forgive me. We ask forgiveness, according to 1 John 1, 9. Our sins are forgiven, but this is for fellowship's sake. The word fellowship is used four times there in 1 John 1. There is a focus that is here. The goal of this kind of looking, searching, Look to yourselves, judge yourselves. It's for two things. Number one, an obedient believer. And number two, a pure church. An obedient believer and a pure church. Don't, don't miss that. There are those that sit through messages like this and others that are unchained, unchanged. Why? Watch this. I'm almost done. Let's go to John 14. John chapter 14. And go to verse 21. Now listen to what he says here. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. Now watch this. 
and I will manifest myself to him. You know, there are people, even in this church, in the last, in the the 32 years that we have been here, there have been people that have come through this auditorium. They have sat through the same messages others have sat through, and it was almost like the eyes were glazed. There was nothing. Then there's others. It's not the preacher. It's God's word. And the Holy Spirit is working, and you can tell it. I will manifest myself to you. And it's like, that's my Jesus. I'm going to give you a hint to tonight. There was a man that knew Christ for three years. He was a thief, and he died a thief. There was another man, he knew Christ for three hours. But we'll save that for tonight. The point is this. You can know Christ opening God's word and you see him. There are others because down deep inside as far as they're concerned, They're their own God. They don't hear it. They'll walk out, nothing. This is why we take this and again, we renew ourselves. That's for me. Amen? That's for me. No wonder Paul gloried in the cross. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and oh, by the way, and I unto the world. This world is not my home. That's it. I understand, I recognize that there'll be some of you that you can't make it for one degree or another. You can't make it tonight. But I encourage those of you that can, come. This message, like last Sunday's, needed to be preached before we gathered. But can we walk out of here recognizing that when it comes to our biblical Christianity, We know exactly where to go to see it three-dimensional. Right here. And in a matter of speaking, we can taste it. Are you glad Christ died for you? I am too. You know, I pray by God's grace, that we experience him, he manifests himself because collectively we said, I want, you know, that I may know him. I'm going to do what he says.
Now, we don't obey to get saved. We obey as we are saved. What should we do that we might work the works of God? They came and asked Christ. This is the work of God. Did she believe on him whom he hath sent? May our trust always be there. Now, if you're a believer and you've been struggling with sin, number one, I want you to know God loves you. Number two, we love you. Number three, we're glad to pray for you. We do pray for you. But can we encourage you to do something? Walk away from it. Sin is not the spice of life. It's death. It kills everything it touches. For those of you that have a passion for the Lord, praise God. As we gather tonight, we will rejoice because he died for us. Let's pray.